0: Hey, this morning, we're gonna try to attempt, everyone say attempt. You're gonna realize I'm a youth pastor, so I have to have you say words back to me to make sure you're engaged, all right? We're going to try to attempt to answer a question that I feel like many of us at some point in our life think about in our mind. We may question it, we wonder, and it's this question, how does God see us? How does God view my life? How does, this? is God in heaven just sitting there and he's going, Chase, you just stink, right? Is, is, he, is he disgusted with us? Is he upset when we make mistakes? Or is he, just, is he just overwhelmingly in love with us? How does God view humanity today? I think there's, there's some extremes, right? And I think people probably live in these extremes. There, there's the person that's just, they just walk around and they're just like, the world, is horrible, God hates me, right? God is just distant, he, he created us, but he has nothing to do with us because we're insignificant, we're small, we are, we're screw-ups, right? There are those people that just absolutely think God hates them, right? And then there's the people that are like, God, look what you created. I'm beautiful, I am amazing, right? God, you did your best work with me because We know the whole world thinks I'm perfect, right? Anybody in here can believe that? No, there's a few people, it's great. You see, many of us don't live in that place. Most of us kind of live right in the middle where there are times where we make mistakes and we just wonder, God must be really ticked with me because I'm not really living up to what he's created me to be. And then there's also moments where we feel like, man, I've, I've done pretty good lately. God must be proud of me. Aren't you proud of me, God? Right, We live in this place. How does God see us? How does God see humanity? Today I want to talk about this key idea that we believe that all people are loved by God, but all people need Jesus Christ as their Savior. All people are loved by God, yet we all need Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's kind of a two-fold thing. We know that our, our Creator, God, He created us with a purpose, with an identity. There was, there was love behind that, right? But sin got in the way, and we need Jesus Christ as our Savior. You see, from the very beginning, humanity was God's heart. From the very beginning, God longed for relationship with you. From the very beginning, God wanted you near to him. That's who He is. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we have a chance to be in a relationship. He longs for relationship. I love what it says in Genesis 1, a few scriptures I wanna read. Genesis 1.26, it gives us a glimpse of God's vast plan for us. It says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. I find it interesting to know that, you know, I read this and I'm like, God, aren't you the only one there? Why would you say let us make... Let us make humans in our image. The cool thing is, is that Jesus was there too. Holy Spirit was there. God knew all along what was gonna happen. God knew the plan. God knew the process. He knew that Jesus was gonna be needed to be our savior. And so from the very beginning, before any of us were ever here, before Adam and Eve took their first breath, Jesus understood what was going on. Verse 27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. Everyone say own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And I love how he finishes up, he wraps up the creation story in verse 31. He says, then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. When I read that, I read, I see a a God, a creator that's very happy with his creation, that is passionate about his creation, that loves you and I. I I don't see a God in there that says, darn it, why did I make them? What, what am I doing? What, what was I thinking, right? We know that humans screw up. We, we can read all throughout the Old Testament and God, in a moment, he's like, I've got to get a hold of them again. But you see, God was very happy. He was pleased with his creation. And so let me tell you this morning, no matter what you've walked in with, if you feel depressed today, if you feel like God just is mad at you or hates you, let me just assure you that God is very happy. Very, God is very pleased with you because you are his creation. You are the one he created and he created you with a purpose. And I believe it's an understatement to say that God is personally invested in your life. Are you with me this morning? I believe it's an understatement to say that God is invested in your life because whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, in every hard time and in every good time, God has been there. He's watched you. He's been close to you. He knows your thoughts before you know them. He's God. He's been there with you the whole time and he's invested in his creation and he's invested in you having his image again because here's the harsh reality. We have a devastating human condition called sin. When Adam and Eve showed up on the scene and they took their first breath, let me, let me assure you that they had the perfect, I mean, they had it made, y'all. They walked in a garden with God and they had perfect communication with him. They had a perfect relationship with him. God said, look, you can have all this. You can do anything you want. Just don't go to that one tree. That's all you have to do. You've got it made. Just don't go to that one tree and eat of that fruit because I, just, I put a boundary on that. I want to keep you safe. He gave them freedom. But we know that Adam and Eve rejected it, Right? They rejected the vision, the identity that God had placed on the inside of them. They were made in his image, and they rejected it. They decided, I'm going to go my own way, do my own thing. I don't need God to tell me what to do. I want freedom, right? I want to be free. Have you ever, most of you, if I asked you to raise your hand, you would say, yeah, I've read the creation story. I've read the, the fall of man in Genesis 3. But have you ever really caught how Satan tempted humanity? It's fascinating, and it's still happening today. It's, it's what's causing our sin. It's what's causing us to draw away from God. And it happened from the very beginning. T- Satan starts by by giving Adam and Eve a doubt in their mind and saying, Are you sure that God said that? Are you sure that the identity that God placed in you is right? Are you sure that this is the vision for your life? He's not giving you freedom to go to this tree. He's not giving you freedom, right? Satan's saying, Are you sure? Look what all you could have if you just reach out to me and you follow me. And he goes on to say this. This is Satan talking to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 5. He said, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. Catch that. And you will be like God knowing good and evil. It's funny how Satan, it's funny how the world many times tempts us with something that it's already created inside of us. It's funny that the, the Satan went to Adam and Eve and said, look, you can be like God if you just do this. If you just go off course here, if you just forget him and come with me, you can be like God. Adam and Eve didn't realize that they were already like God, right? They were already created in his image because two chapters before that, that's what I read. I read that they were created in the image and the likeness of God. So why are they grabbing for something else? Why are they trying to reach for something more when they're already who they're called to be? Isn't that the fall of humanity in a nutshell? That many times we find ourselves in temptation, we find ourselves steering off course because we don't know who we are inside. We don't understand what God has placed in us, the identity that he's called us to be. We don't understand that we really are sons and daughters of a living God, that, that we literally have the attention of our creator in a moment's time, and we forget that, and we miss that, and we go off course, and we give in to temptation over and over, not realizing that we are absolutely his sons and daughters already in his likeness. How many of you know that, especially in America, but in our world, man, we are in a big identity crisis? Anybody? We know that. We are in an identity crisis and it didn't just start a couple years ago with a homosexual agenda. It didn't just start with transgender, right? No, this thing has been going on since the very beginning. It's an identity issue. Who are you in Christ? Who is he called you to be? And when we forget that, that's when the identity starts having a problem. And that's where we miss it. Friends, the greatest fight of humanity is for our identity. The greatest fight for humanity is for your purpose. There's nothing more that Satan wants to do than to make you not understand who you really are in Christ. Because if he can beat you in your identity, he knows that you're useless on earth. He knows that you'll never impact someone for Jesus. He knows that you'll just, maybe you'll just walk through church the rest of your life. You'll go to church every single Sunday, maybe Wednesday nights if you're super spiritual, right? but you'll never make an impact because you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know who he's created you to be on the inside. Humanity is messed up. I can clearly say and ha- be transparent with you this morning and say, I'm messed up. I know that you look at me and you think, oh, he's a youth pastor. He must be perfect, right? Right? Anybody? Come on. <laughs> Give me some love, Right? No, far from it. I know that because we stand on the stage and we speak to you that we must know it all, right? And we, we must know more than you because we're talking to you. No, it just means probably we were bigger screw-ups and God's just trying to redeem himself, right? Yeah. You know, I remember uh, the last couple years, actually the last probably six years, ever since we left here, Ashley and I have joined an adult league, uh, a soccer league, a co-ed league, and we play every single Sunday. And uh, when I, I remember when I was in Beaumont, uh, for five years, we played on a team that I, I promise you, not one person on that team knew anything about Jesus. Um, and they were, I mean, if I were to invite them to church, they would be like, eh, right, not a chance, not a chance I'm going. So that was our moment outside of church, outside the church bubble to say, you know what? I just want to love them. I want to be in relationship with them. Ashley and I, we're going, we are going to reach out to these people and just show them God's love in any way we can. And so there would be many times that I would be preaching on a Sunday morning at our church. I'd be on the stage preaching my guts out. And then at one o'clock, we always had a soccer game, right? So I would rush, we'd get done with church. I would get changed at the church into my soccer uniform. We'd rush to the soccer field and I would always pray this prayer right before the whistle blew. I would say, Chase, you are stupid when you get competitive. So God, help me not to be stupid today. Help me, Lord, to be a light, to be a witness, to not freak out on any refs, to not freak out on anyone else, to realize that soccer is not life. I'm not that good at it. I can't make it pro, don't worry about it. Just have fun and just try to love people. And I'd pray that prayer every single week. And then as soon as the whistle blows, guess what happens? my sin nature comes out, right? Because I get crazy. If you ever play sports with me and it's a competitive thing, you will see that I'm very competitive and I don't like to lose. And I'm not the type of person that is like the best on the field. I'm the type of person that's the fastest on the field and so I annoy people, all right? So Ashley can attest there are many times where I would be the pest out on the field and I would always just disrupt everything. And people always, during the middle of the game, wanted to fight me, or they wanted to argue with me, or the refs didn't even like me, and so they would call fouls on me, and it was always their fault. Um, And so my sin nature would always kick in, and when I'm trying to be a light and a witness for Jesus on a field that is full of darkness, there I am, the, the perfect youth pastor looking like an idiot, right? And when I can't hear the Holy Spirit's voice telling me to shut up, I hear Ashley's voice. And she says... Wait, I thought you were a pastor. What are you doing, you know? And she she just reminds me, don't be stupid. It's just a game. You are flawed and you're imperfect just like everyone else. And so I I just, I I think of those moments and realize I am definitely a person that is imperfect. I'm definitely flawed. I love what Paul writes in Romans. Uh, He says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. What does that mean? means every single one of us sitting in here and breathing have sin. Every single one of us falls short of a holy, perfect God. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need Jesus in our life because he paid a high price. Because he took our junk, he took our mess, he took your depression, he took your sadness and he gave you joy again. He's in the process of restoring his image on the inside of you. We've got to catch that. He created you with an image of Him on the inside of you, and sin has ravished that. Sin has put a, bl- a barrier on that, and this whole Christianity process—it's nothing more than just drawing near to Him and allowing Him to reveal Himself in us again. To draw near to Him, and let me let me just set some of you free to this morning because. Some of you may have the attitude where you just try to be perfect all the time. You really strive to to do the right things at all times. And when you don't match up to that, you get really frustrated. I believe this is something that God has been working on me, is God is way more interested in your direction and not your perfection. You need to hear that this afternoon. God is way more interested in your direction, not your perfection. Because he knows that if he can put you on the right path, and he knows that if he can put you on the right direction, that eventually he's gonna get you where he needs to get you. That he's going to restore the image of himself in your life. That he's gonna restore some love in you. He's gonna restore some peace in you, some joy in you, right? It's about him restoring us to what we were first designed to be. His son, his daughter. That's who he is. He restores it among us. And some good news today, ever since Adam and Eve screwed it up, ever since they fell for the temptation, ever since they realized they weren't, they they thought they weren't the identity of Christ, the identity of God, God has been pursuing you. He has been passionately pursuing you from that very moment and saying, I'm gonna restore myself back in that person. I'm gonna restore myself back in humanity. I'm gonna do it. And if you catch anything from today, if you've been sleeping through this whole thing, wake up, catch this one thing, the heart of God is humanity. We're talking about humanity today. The heart of God is humanity. What does that mean? It means it's you, it's me, it's your friends, it's your family, it's your boss, it's your coworkers, it's your mother-in-law, right? The heart of God is humanity. You are it. You are the one that he designed to be, to be close to him, to be near to him. He longs for relationship with you because you are his heart. You are the one that he's called to greater things. You are the one. Not just the pastor on stage. Not just the, the professional church people, right? No, it's you, Every single one of us. It's the people that have never stepped foot in a church and may never ever step foot in a church. It's them. That's the heart of God. That He loves us and He wants to restore us today. I love what 2 Peter 3:9 says. It says God is being patient with you. He's being patient with us. He does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. There's an amazing, incredible story in the Gospels when Jesus is on trial. And many of you have probably read it, and it's really easy to miss and not notice. But there's an amazing encounter and exchange between Jesus and a man named Barabbas. Everyone say Barabbas. Ashley, we're going to name our first son Barabbas. Sounds great. Is that good? No. So there's this encounter with a man named Barabbas. Now, Barabbas has no idea what's going on behind the scenes, really. Barabbas just thinks he's getting off free. He's a thug. He says he's a murderer. And the Bible says that the Jews on a holy day have a choice. They can let one prisoner go. And it's between Barabbas, a murderer, and Jesus who has done nothing wrong. So we've got this situation and this exchange that's happening. And it's an amazing exchange. So I want you guys to turn your attention to the screen. 1 Corinthians seven twenty three says God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. I love that video, and I've watched that video countless numbers of times. Um, and every time I watch that video, I get messed up because I realize that that I really am Barabbas in that moment. That it doesn't matter how bad I've been or how good I've been, I'm still human and I've still fallen short. And Jesus stood on that platform with a man that deserved death. And there was an exchange there that Barabbas didn't even realize, that it wasn't the people that set him free, but it was the love of his father. My favorite statement in that video is it said that God knew that he had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. one statement that is the heart of God for you and I think about that knowing that that in that moment God had to treat Jesus with my sin and my junk and my mess so that he could look at me and see Jesus in me so that he could see the image of God restored in me and I can promise you I'm not there yet I'm in a process just like every one of us. In fact, you will be in a process until you die and you go and meet him. It's a continual process of God restoring himself in you and you walking closer and closer to him. And I feel like many times we, we're, so, we're so shy or we don't want to really commit our whole heart to God because we think he's taken away our freedom, right? Because when we look at Christianity, we from the outside, people on the outside think, why would you want to do that? You, there's, you, there's do's and don'ts. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. I thought that for a long time in high school. I remember finding a group of friends my last couple of years of high school that, that I got close to and great people But when I really look back, when I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old and I really experienced his love, I look back at my last two years of high school and I realized, man, that was a lie, the whole thing. I thought I was free, I thought I was having a great time, but I was really enslaved by the world. I was really just trying to fit in and trying to be popular and and finding a a group that accepts me. And and so I was willing to do whatever it took to to get to that, that place. I found the party scene, sorry mom. I never drank because of my dad's alcohol problem, but I was still there. I still, I still hung with the people. I still tried to fit in as much as I could without crossing the line, right? I was playing the church game, friends. I was playing the religious game. I was coming to Wednesday nights at youth. I was lifting my hands and saying, God, I love you. And then I was living like hell the rest of the week. I was doing whatever I wanted to do because I thought that was true freedom. Freedom is not doing what you want at any time you want with whom you want. Freedom is having the character to do what is right. That's true freedom. True freedom is identity, it's purpose. I would say someone that doesn't know who they are and they don't feel like they have purpose are enslaved. They absolutely are not living in freedom. And there may be some of you in here right now that you feel like you're enslaved because you don't know what the heck is going on in your life. You don't know who you are and you feel like your life is a wreck. Let me tell you, there's true freedom in Christ. There's true freedom in him when you realize that you were created in his image. And because sin has come into the picture, it's been a slow process of restoring that image back to you. But rest assured, God's heart is for you. God's love is directly at you. If you are the only person sitting in here, he's still here. He still wants you. He's still passionate about you. And he wants to give you freedom today. You see, Satan in the Garden of Eden, he looked at Adam and Eve and he tried to give them freedom, but he was really just giving them a false sense of freedom. He was saying, look, this whole garden is yours. Don't even worry about that one tree. You can have it all. And when they fell into that place, that's the moment they got enslaved to sin. God wants to set you free today. God wants to give you his love in a way that you've never experienced before. And I'm telling you, I can, I can tell you from experience as a 17 year old kid that thought I had life figured out, that thought I was living in freedom, this side is so much better. This side is so much better. I can't imagine being back there. I can't imagine being back in a place where I didn't know who I was. And that's why over the last 12 years, I can walk through the the process of my dad being an alcoholic. I can walk through that in freedom, knowing that he is still God and that he is still good, that he has an identity and a purpose in me. Can you close your eyes all around the room? I just want to speak some words over you this morning that it's not me it comes directly from scripture this is God's heart his voice to you and I want you to just take this in and understand that you are loved the scripture says that for you are God's masterpiece you are the apple of his eye out of all creation You have become his prized possession. That's who you are. And God says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. That's your destiny. That's your purpose. You wanna know what your identity is this morning? It's that you belong to him. And this world cannot take you from him. Nothing can stop his love. Because it's too strong. Satan can't tempt you enough. Culture can't draw you away enough. It's just him, and he's strong enough. With your eyes closed, if you feel like you're in that place where you feel enslaved by the world, you feel enslaved by your sin, maybe you just feel like your life is in a wreck. And you don't know the direction to go you don't know what to do but this morning you need to get back on his direction you need to get back on his path you don't need to be perfect but you need to grow and you need to go in your direction that God has called you to you feel like you're far away from God this morning and you need him to wake you up to bring you closer to him right where you are I want you to just begin praying if that's you Just begin asking him, saying, God, I feel you tugging at my heart, and I ask for you to come into my life. I ask you to fill this place, God, fill my life with freedom, true freedom. Fill my life with your identity in me. Fill my life with greater purpose, God. We want more of you. Come on, if that's you, just pray that. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you for what you've done today. God, we thank you for speaking to us. God, we thank you for being loving and kind and slow to get angry. And God, we thank you that you are patient with us because you want us to draw near to you again, that you want to restore your image in us. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that every person that feels that, every person that needs to make a decision, that needs to make a lifestyle change, that today would be that day that you would draw them near to you. Draw us near to you today, God. Father, we thank you and we love you. Amen.